great moments are born from great opportunity. Last name ever, first name greatest. Like a sprained ankle, boy, ain't nothing to play with. Again. But before you can ever reach anything, you have to believe it. You don't just mistakenly become great at something. Now go out there and take it. Indeed, the greatest show here on 88.9 WNYO, the Laker Radio Network. And I feel like I always start off the show saying greatest show on Sundays from 11 to 1. Yeah. Gotta and be I'm, I'm thinking that maybe I should stop doing that. Why? Because we're a really good show. Why? Because I think we're the, we're a really good show. Why? These are drops in person. These are dro- But it doesn't They're work fake. that way. I know. It's it fake. just doesn't really work. I wish we had a producing staff. Yes. Like the Michael K. Show. Do we, have it, do we have it in our, uh, in our budget? If anyone wants to do it for free, yeah. Yeah. So we'd love to hire Comment you. on Facebook Live if you want to sit in an ed- in a room and just cut audio clips of us sounding like absolute imbeciles. Yeah, it wouldn't be that hard, though, of a job because it, it does happen a lot. Especially on my part. A show. Especially so, on my part. Yeah, especially on Matt's part. You could just drop, like, Matt saying how easy it is to play baseball. Like, basically, every when time we talk I about say baseball, it's easy to things play like baseball. that. No, that's not what I say. Because I can't play baseball for my life, and we know this by right. now. What I say, what I say, is that it's easy to go from left field to right field to center field if you're an all-star or an actually if you're an MLB player. If you're one of the top 1% in baseball, you sh- in the world of playing baseball, you should be able to do play any position in the outfield if you're an outfielder. I want to hear you say that to to a professional baseball player. That would really make my day. I want I should ask them. Yeah. I should ask them. I met Brett Gardner I tried at one point. I should ask them. I tried to explain it to you. I should you ask Brett Gardner. Yeah, Brett Gardner only plays left and center. Why doesn't he play right field, Matt? I don't know. Let's ask Brett Gardner. Yeah. Brett, I know you're watching or listening. Call in. Let us know. 315-312-2907. Brett, call us. Let us know why. I got to warn you, Matt. I put on, when I put the uh, the show link on my snap today, I said, feel free to call us. So, you know. I'm really worried. Those phone lines might be I'm buzzing really today. They actually won't, but because no one's awake right now, but if anyone was awake, those lines could be buzzing. Yeah. But see, the issue is, is that the phone just starts ringing. Yeah. And we and, don't know what to do. We and panic. I, know, I know I can answer it. But like I don't know who's calling because we don't have a screening service, which is really an issue when you're on radio because yeah, and and it's live because the thing is like we can't do anything about it. The thing is, if it was a, if it was a, if we were on break and you call in, that's great because yeah. we can queue it up. We don't have to put it over the air. Solo the mics, figure out what we want to talk about, so we're not just blindly going into it. That's my ideal plan. So if anyone, any of you want to call in, maybe we'll make the breaks a bit longer today so you can have that opportunity. Yeah, it probably won't happen, but it's a good thought. Yeah. Speaking of needing breaks. Jets and Giants kind of need a break, but they're going to play each other. Yeah. And what we touted and what the world has touted the toilet bowl, um, not the opposite of the Super Bowl, the yeah, lame bowl. There's a lot of things. You um, the tank bowl. The tank bowl, but they're not tanking. There's been a few tank bowls this year, though. Like Redskins, Redskins play the Dolphins. Yeah, that was good. The Jets have to play the Redskins. The Jets, the Jets have to play, play the Dolphins, Dolphins twice. So last weekend was technically a win for the Jets, if you think about it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, obviously, the Jets trying not trying to get their best pick, but if I'm a Jets fan, you you want that at this point, yeah. Why at not? this point, like there's nothing else you have realistically. 
So why not go for the best pick? You can probably trade that for, for a lot, realistically. I mean, what do you think the Jets could, real, could get for the first overall pick? Or like a top five pick? With three quarterbacks going in the top three? A slew of picks. I mean, look at what happened with the Bears trading it to... I don't know who they traded their picks to. I don't know if oh, you... it, was, it wasn't Oakland. That was for Cleo Mack. Who did they trade for to trade up to get Trubisky? Uh, who they trade picks? I think. Like who they trade with? Um, the was it the Browns? Maybe. Yeah, I think it was the. I think that was either Browns had two high picks. Yeah. I don't actually know. I think it was the Browns, and then you had the when they the, passed uh, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> well, so did like ten teams. I think yeah, the, I, I think the Bills. But they Patrick traded. Too. Okay, yeah, but the but the Bills weren't going for a quarterback that draft. Okay. We didn't need Patrick Mahomes. We? I'm just kidding. We? I didn't. I didn't mean to say we. Well, you did. You're gonna cancel me. But I'm going to. You're right. But speaking of like that, that number one and those top picks for the Jets, I was actually reading earlier this week, and people were saying like the Jets should should draft Tua or Joe Burrows. Like I'm like, why are you giving why? up on? Why are you giving up on Sam Darnold so easily? It just seems pretty stupid. I mean, last week was not Darnold's best performance. I mean, 27 of 39, 280 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Really, the, the play that, to me, really encapsulated the, this whole game for the Jets was when, before the half, it looked like Donald had thrown a touchdown pass. It looked like the Jets were going to get back in the game. They call it back. The Jets still go down. They drive. And they get the ball to the three-yard line. And then it was like Gase and Sam Darnold coming together to form like the worst play ever where Sam Darnold rolled out to the left, which made no sense. And with about five Miami defenders in the end zone, he just tossed it up into the end zone and it was intercepted. So instead of instead of just uh, throwing the ball away like he should have done, he just lofted it up there as intercepted. And I think part of that's on Gase. But that play to me was like, that's the Jets season. And that really sums up that game against Miami. Yeah, and I think for the Jets, it, it it stung for Adam Gase more than anything else. And the thing that was crazy is he didn't even say it was embarrassing. He said something to the effect of when he was asked if it was embarrassing, he said, look, this is the NFL. When you're in the heat of the battle, like stuff's going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, that is an embarrassment. The fact that you can't beat the Miami Dolphins who are actively trying to lose is disgraceful. But at the end of the day, if, I, if you're the Jets, and for me, I've always come to the point where if you're not good, if you're not going to make the playoffs, then lose every game. Yeah. And, and the Jets achieved that so far. I feel like people crown Gase like a QB whisperer and an offensive guru just so way too quick because he had one good year with Jay Cutler, which got him another job, which eventually led him to the head coach of the Dolphins, where when Tannehill was healthy, he looked good. But I don't think Tannehill's really a bad quarterback overall. I think he's a pretty, you know, I'm not going to say solid, but he's a decent quarterback when he's healthy. I mean, he's he's done a decent job with, with the Titans so far this year. And now you have Gase and Sam Darnold. You say, this is going to be the perfect guy for Sam Darnold. You know, Todd Bowles is a defensive guy. He doesn't know how to work with quarterbacks. And now you have Gase working with who we think is one of the more talented young quarterbacks in the NFL and making him look bad on a weekly basis. So I think that a lot of this has to be falling on Adam Gase. Yeah, most definitely. It feels like they're just not prepared. And you look at who, the usage of players, and it's, it's, it's weird. He doesn't, for some reason... You know, he doesn't use his running backs a lot. And I'm just looking through the numbers. You've got Ty Montgomery, only 11 attempts through, what, eight games? Yeah. He's a good running back. He was a starter last year in I mean, Bay. he used to be a receiver as well in that same vein where he can use and him out of the And he's had field. six receptions. Yeah. So the fact that he's only had 17 touches, to me, is embarrassing. That's two per game. And yes, he's the backup, but he's good. Use him as a threat. Bell, he has a t 125 touch, uh, rushes. And that's just not enough. You really need a lot more out of your top guys. 125 rushes and 40 receptions. That's good. 
But at the same time, you got you need to use these two weapons more because I think they're the best offensive weapons you have aside from Jamison Crowder. Yeah, they definitely are, and especially with Le'Veon Bell, who who's a guy that last week said, you know, get me more involved in this offense. I want more touches, and I think. They got him a good amount of touches against Miami, but when you're kind of handing the ball off to, to Bell, he's a guy that's a more patient runner. He tries to wait and find those holes, and when you have an offensive line that's as bad as the Jets, there's really nothing he can do to find a lane. But, you know, I really have kind of not fallen in love with, but I really love the way that Le'Veon Bell has handled himself this year because, you know, he said, I want more touches. I still believe in this team. And then now uh, yesterday he came out and said, you know, I'm playing tomorrow. Like, don't, don't have any doubt in your mind if I'm – uh, healthy enough, I'm going to play. So I, th- I think he's been a big uh, role and I mean, a role model for this Jets team. Yeah, he really hasn't. It's kind of, I don't say the opposite of Jamal Adams, but when you look at the way Lev Bell's handled it, as you said, Luke, it's just so important, <coughs> excuse me, that without him, the locker room could really fall apart, I think. This is a team that has a lot of issues, clearly in terms of talent, and the fact they haven't segmented off yet, and that's kind of what uh, Jamal Adams was saying Earlier this week, in in preparation of this game, he goes there and says we have to stay together, group. There can't be certain groups in the locker room splitting up, and so far they've done just that, and that's just so important. And speaking of Jamal Adams, he of course had to. Uh, he ended up speaking with our favorite guy Joe Douglas, and he was able to make amends. So let's listen to what he had to say. I mean, I would love to be here, man. This is. I would, I would love to be here. As simple as that. You know what I mean? Um, I want to bring success to this organization. I want to bring a Super Bowl to this organization. That's, that's you know, why I feel like I was placed in New York to kind of pick off where my dad left off. You know what I mean? His, his injury, I mean, his career was cut short. I just feel like that's my calling. But, you know, I don't, I don't know those things. You know what I mean? But do I want to be here? Yes, of course. And I know I'm going to parse words here, and I, I will say that it is – difficult to speak in the heat of the moment you know luke here in oswego state we kind of hear from from different athletes from different players and they're asked much easier questions than i think jamal adams has asked right and they kind of have a tough a tough time expressing themselves but the fact they said i would love to be here it just it sounds weird i don't know it didn't sound like, weird to me i would love to be here yeah you're there why why is there wood because i think he's saying i would love to be here as long as the jets want me to be here i think that's what he's saying why are we circling back to them because he's like, t- well, they asked him about the conversation he had with Douglas, and that conversation stems from what happened before yeah, the trade. But if he said they're all the good, deadline. but if he said they're all good, then you say I, I love being here, not I would love to be here. Would is is a, I, I a think, weird word. Yeah, because I think he is talking about the future. And I think he's talking about this off season. I think he's saying I would love to be here through the off season if if the Jets want to keep me here and they don't end up trading me. I think that's what the wood comes from. I guess it's it's a weird it's, I way guess to the question, it. we didn't see it, so maybe that's part of it. But I don't know. That's just parsing words either way. Yeah, they could have said, you know, what And what, I don't want to be so like reactive to this, but I, I think that this might bode very well for the Jets in keeping him in the long haul and not trading him. Uh, I think it's – I think I'm pretty much at the same spot I was at last week. Well, you thought he was going to stay anyway. No, I think he wants to stay. But do I think the Jets are going to keep him? I'm, I'm still not 100% sure. You don't think – the Jets would only trade him if he doesn't want to be here. I don't know about that. That That's a fact. I don't know about that at He's all. He's one of the best safeties in the league. Why would they get rid of him? I don't know. For picks, for uh, – clearly they want an offensive lineman, things like that. And you said last week that a safety isn't a valuable position in the NFL. So if the Jets – if the, the Jets, Jets value can, him. But if that's the Jets can get a first-round pick for Jamal Adams – But what kind of pick are you getting? You're getting the 15th, 20th pick? I mean, if they can get, a, the package, if they can get a package of picks, a first-rounder, a second-rounder, Things like that. I mean, this is a team that's going to take a long, a longer rebuild than people were expecting. They tried to throw money into this offseason, and it didn't work. So now they have to go back to, to plan A, which is building through the draft. So if they can build up draft capital, I wouldn't be all that surprised if they moved Jamal Adams. Should they? No. Could I see them doing it? Yes.
You know, kind of speaking of that that patience that this team wants to have in the rebuild, they're also going to have patience with Adam Gase, uh, Christopher Johnson, the, the managing owner or the CEO, as Woody Johnson is out there in, in Britain having a spot of tea. <laughs> can't, can't do the accent. <laughs> What's he even doing in Britain again? He's uh, an NFL rep or something? He's a, no, like he's a diplomat for President Trump. Wait, he is? You didn't know this? Oh, you're right. I forgot. Yeah, well, I, so. didn't, I didn't realize. I thought he was doing like NFL diplomat stuff. No, no. London. He's oh. working with, for the president. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So Christopher Johnson saying that he wants to be patient with Adam Gase, giving him a couple years. He didn't say give him a couple years, but that's kind of what the end result would be. And I, I don't know about it. I don't know how I feel about having Adam Gase there for the long haul. He's been really bad. And Manish Mehta wrote a story in the New York Daily News. And, you know, he, he said what you want about Manish Mehta, but he's saying that Sam Donald's regressed under Adam Geese. Yeah, not a big Manoush Mehta guy here. But uh No, oh what, what, was there a background for that? Isn't he the one that tweeted the uh the AFC East's best quarterbacks list? Probably. And he I said going Sam with, uh, Darnold, uh Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen or something like that. I mean he's not I mean, if you put Tom Brady above well, he Darnold, puts, he put Darnold as the best quarterback in the AFC. Well he's the second best quarterback in the AFC. He's Probably the third, maybe the, I mean, with Fitz Magic, might be the fourth. At this Get point. out of here, but uh, no, I'm just messing. Yeah. But uh, well, Manish made it all, but anyways, yeah, say, um, when Doug Marone was left the Bills, he was looking at the Jets job, and apparently, Manish made a basically t- submarine that opportunity for the Jets to get Doug Marone. Yeah, well, they probably avoided a they probably avoided something, not a big Doug Marone guy either. No, we call him Doug Moron around these parts, but uh, but with uh, going back to the patience and and Adam Gase, to me. The patience should go into next year. I I, tr- I truly believe that Gase and Douglas deserve one offseason, one draft, one free agency period together, see what they can get going. And then if next year turns into something like this year, I think it's done for Gase. I think you have to move on. Sam Darnold's not getting any younger. Obviously, he's still young, but he's going to be going out of his rookie contract. And if Gase isn't the guy, I think it, it's time to part ways after, after probably next year. I wouldn't fire him this year, though. I think it's a little bit premature. I think you let him get one more offseason and then see what happens next season. The weekend recap here on 8.9 WNYO, the Laker Radio Network, and Luke, feeling Ozzy Osbourne today. Yeah, I mean that was on the spot, 20 seconds, so I kind of just went maybe a basic route. Yeah, for some, he's got. I think he dropped a new single. Really? I thought I saw that on Twitter somewhere. Yeah, I'll have to, I'm I'll not have to quite get sure. on that. If if if. Are so. you a big Ozzy guy? Not a big Ozzy guy. I just thought it was funny when when he had the song with Post Malone, and everyone was like, ah. This Ozzy Asborn guy is pretty good. He could be the next big thing. I'm like, and he's well, like 90. He was the big he's thing. He's not 90. He's like 70, <laughs> but you have the point. Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, we'll, I'm not uh, a huge Ozzy Asborn guy, but. And yeah, we'll, we'll start the with the, uh, the. We'll go back to the Giants, I should say. I haven't even really got to touch on them yet so far on the show. And no Sterling Shepard, no Evan Ingram. Shepard falling back into concussion protocol. And now this is kind of scary. Yeah. Because obviously everyone knows the history of concussions, everyone knows how scary they are. And the big issue with this is that Pat Shermer, the head coach, calling it a serious injury that requires serious response. And this is scary for Sterling Shepard. Yeah, it is. And, and you really you hate to see something like this happen to a guy like Sterling Shepard because, you know, Odell leaves. He had a really great first game with Daniel Jones. And you're thinking, you know, this could be the guy that kind of is the future at the wide receiver position. He was just so talented at Oklahoma. He was so talented in his first 
couple seasons with the Giants, and this was going to really be his breakout year. But yeah, beyond that, like you said, I mean, concussions are a scary thing, and it's really unfortunate. We haven't got to see him play, but also, I mean, just for his own personal health, this was an injury that could have been, you know, a week or two, but now it's it's trickling on. I think it's fifth week, so this is definitely something serious and really unfortunate for Shepard and, and also the Giants. Yeah, and just now with just Evan Ingram out as well, you kind of have a, not a lack of receiving options, but your biggest guy is Golden Tate now. Saquon Barkley probably still not 100% with that ankle sprain. He's playing, obviously, and Darius Slayton is kind of one of uh, Daniel Jones's favorite targets, it looks like. Only 17 receptions, but three touchdowns and 273 yards. Yeah, Slayton's been an interesting guy, obviously, a rookie uh, that the Giants really weren't expecting, and I don't think to get all this this action, but you have Fowler go down, you have Shepard go down. Now, Evan Ingram going to be out with a foot injury, so it's kind of been Slayton almost morphing into the number one receiver role for this Giants team, and he's done a good job, but... You know, for for Daniel Jones, it's just so tough to, you know, going into his first couple of games, you thought, you know, he's got so many good weapons. You know, he's got an up-and-coming tight end in Ingram. He's got a great receiver in Sterling Shepard, and he's got Saquon Barkley if he ever needs a check down. And then these injuries kind of start, and it's been a tough situation for Daniel Jones. And, you know, he hasn't been great all the time, but I think he's handled it very maturely. I mean, you haven't seen him in the news. You haven't seen him saying anything really outrageous. And he's definitely a team guy. He's definitely, like they said, almost an Eli Manning type. That's gonna he's gonna go out there. He's gonna try to win you games. He's not gonna do anything too flashy. But you know, I've been I've been pretty impressed with the play of Daniel Jones so far this year, even with all these weapons getting injured. Yeah, one thing that really hasn't looked great for Daniel Jones is the amount of turnovers. He's already got. He's tied for the most turnovers in the league with 16, eight fumbles, lost, and eight interceptions. And for me, the scarier part is those eight fumbles because that, that's a lot for, for a quarterback. Yeah, it is a lot, and he's really had a tough time, especially with his blind side. You'll see when he goes through his progressions, as he gets kind of towards that third progression or he's looking towards his kind of right vision cone, that's where he loses all sense of kind of the pocket, and that's when the pressure comes from the blind side. And, I mean, it's not really – I don't think it's really an offensive line problem with the Giants. I think they've been a touch better than we were expecting going into this year. It's really just Jones holding onto the ball a little bit too long and that's where you'll see those strip sacks. So something that, but the good thing is this is a very fixable thing. You know, it's not really like an interception problem. Like Jameis Winston, you watch him throw interceptions, you know he's going to keep throwing interceptions throughout his career. But with Jones, it's just a, it's just a matter of timing and kind of feeling that pressure. And and that feeling of pressure is just so different in the NFL game. So you expect him to adjust to it. I mean, it's his first season, his first couple games. I think he'll get used to it. Yeah, and uh, your friend Mike, Mike, I, I don't think I can pronounce his last name. If you Piscarino. Do, Piscarino, there we go. Got it once, I'll get it I'll get it for the rest of the show. And saying that Daniel Jones is a team player, and to a certain extent, you're right in the fact that you look and you see Daniel Jones and you say he's a guy that doesn't have a great offensive line, gets hit a lot. I think he's been sacked 26 times, which when you think about it, that's crazy because Sam Darnold's only been sacked, I think, 21. I'll, I'll check it right here, and it's been, no, three is against Miami. Bad radio. Off for radio. it. Wait also, Darnold hasn't played a full season, Wait. so how can well, you tell? Has, neither has a... Well, Jones has played more games than Darnold. By like two. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I don't have... Oh, wait, they're 18. So, I mean, Daniel Jones taking a lot of hits. That was an awful segment. I apologize. That was just brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. Well, you can just take it away from here. I need yeah, yeah, Daniel Jones, as you mentioned, been sacking. And also, you know, he's kind of struggled to slide at times uh, when he scrambles. That's kind of one of those things where you see quarterbacks like Daniel Jones, like Josh Allen... You know, they're kind of lengthy guys, uh, very tall, look good in shorts. No, but uh, it's it's tough to slide sometimes for these guys. So they, they kind of got to figure it out because, you know, it kind of is awkward. And you hear 
coach is saying, you know, we sometimes actually do bring in baseball players to show our, our quarterbacks how to slide because it, it kind of is an awkward motion when you're running full speed to slide. But yeah, Daniel Jones, he's definitely a team guy. Um, and going against a Jets defense that's been kind of depleted all season long, even without Shepard and Ingram, I think Jones can still have a successful day, but I think it's going to be led by Saquon Barkley. Yeah, it really has to be. And for this Jets team, you lose a guy like Leonard Williams via trade to the Giants, actually. And that really kind of makes it a lot tougher for your run defense because he was a guy that clogged up the middle, didn't get a lot of pressures or sacks, but he was just a force there that you can't really quantify. And he's, by yeah. no means, that's not what he was. He wasn't supposed to be that. He was supposed right. to be better than what he is. But it's still valuable. At the draft, but he is still valuable. He's still, he is still a solid player. But at the same time, you kind of want more if you're the Jets. But I could see Saquon Barkley running all of his Jets defense. Yeah, I could as well, especially with the, their struggles on the defensive line. I mean, obviously, they trade Williams as well, who, as you said, is just so valuable. A guy that can just clog up the run at the defensive tackle position. I mean, the Bills had a guy in Harrison Phillips that was doing that early on. He gets injured, and all of a sudden, they can't figure out how to stop the run. So it's kind of one of those those things you don't think about. And, and like you said, he's supposed to be a guy that gets to the quarterback. But stopping the run is, is huge. And... On the other side of it, Le'Veon Bell, obviously one of the more talented running backs in the NFL. But he needs a line. And yeah. that's why for the Jets, you either draft a ton of offensive linemen, you, you trade your top five pick, because all they really need is an offensive line and a defense. And that, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, But you can start making magic happen if you can trade your top three, top five pick for you know an offensive lineman, a mid to late first round pick, maybe another first round pick, and then you get two offensive linemen with that trade and then the draft pick, and then you start working on your defense, and you just hope that something comes together. And I look at the Bills, and I say they had an awful offensive line last year. Right. They were able to sign 17 trillion guys <laughs> and somehow managed to make it work, so maybe the Jets have to do the same thing. And that's something that Joe Douglas is working on. He was an offensive lineman when he played back in his playing days, and he's trying to build this team from the offensive line out, something that he's been preaching since he took the job, and he hasn't really got an opportunity to prove that. Actually, my my comparison that I draw with this Jets team is the Colts teams when Andrew Luck was just drafted. Bad offensive line. Quarterback took a lot of hits, which the Jets have both of those. A bad defense. But the Colts went they drafted a great offensive line now among the best in the NFL. Obviously, Luck ended up retiring, and maybe some of that was because of the bad offensive line at first. But now Brissett has a good line blocking for him. They have a good defense, and now they, they've matured into one of the best teams in the AFC. So I think that's the model the Jets need to go after. If they think Sam Donald is their, their franchise quarterback, you've got to protect him. So that obviously starts with that offensive line. And, and it's just so important for both teams. I mean, even last year, the Giants' offensive line was putrid. And they've kind of, you know, they've struggled this year. I think they've been a tad, a touch better. That's not saying much, but they've been a touch better. Yeah, and for, and for the Jets, it, it feels like a longer rebuild. But probably the, the most important story to come out of this game, aside from Jamal Adams talking and yeah. actually being a positive outcome out of that conversation that he had with the media we, that we played earlier for you guys, is Saquon Barkley's dad. Yeah. He, he big Jets fan growing up. Saquon himself was a Jets fan. And his dad will be wearing a Joe Namath Jets jersey. To the game? To the game. Wow. And I wish I could find the audio to play Saquon Barkley trying to explain the situation. I couldn't quite find it. That's tough. I know they played it on the K show. I couldn't I couldn't find it in a video or anything. And Barkley was basically saying, Yeah, like my dad grew up a Jets fan. He he loves the Jets and he's probably gonna be rooting for uh for the Jets and for me to do well. You know, he's gonna root for the Jets not to win the game, but and then he kinda trailed off. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, How is your dad root for the Jets? But, yeah, but not to win. Yeah. Like if you're rooting for the Jets, you're all in on the Jets. Yeah. You know, you could sit here and say, yeah. I want the Jets to win. And Saquon to the run for 400 yards, that can happen. Two those two things can happen. But you can't root for the Jets, but not to win. Yeah, that doesn't make any do sense. You wanna, did you, are you rooting for a close game then? Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. When you're, you're 100%. Maybe, 
maybe he wants to just get a high draft pick. So, you know, he, he wants him to play well but lose at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely confusing. That, yeah. Very confusing situation there. And I just think for this, I mean, this game as a whole, it's going to be messy. I mean, it's called the toilet bowl for a reason. Uh, both quarterbacks, I think. Is it going to be like, like a Taco Bell toilet bowl? What kind of, what kind yeah. of like it's the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go into those details. Okay. But, yeah, something like that. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be tough sledding for, for both these teams. And I think the Giants open as a three-point favorite. So that's kind of interesting. I wonder how the line works, though, because, you know, the Jets are technically are a home team. Yeah. But, like, the Giants will probably beat them out, like, at least 60-40. So I think they probably count as a, as a neutral site. neutral site, yeah. So giving the Giants the advantage. But I don't know. I think the Jets can bounce back today. I actually think they will bounce back today. I don't, I don't know, know if they'll win, but they can't. The Giants are just so much lie. better than them, though. Like, And it's crazy to think. I thought the Giants would have been horrible this year. But, I mean, Daniel Jones looks as good as Sam Darnold, I'd argue, even better. You look at the running back situation, I think Barkley and the offensive line is much better than Bell's been. Yep. And I think coaching, I think Shermer's been done a better job coaching to a certain extent. Not necessarily some of his play calls in late in games, but he's certainly competent to some extent. Yeah, I agree. And I also think the season has been more successful for the Giants than the Jets. I mean, the Jets we talked about could have been a wild card team. The Giants, we knew what they were going to be. We knew they weren't going to be great, but we wanted to see uh, Daniel Jones play. We've seen both those things. The Giants are still going to be set to get a good draft pick, and they have a good they have good offensive weapons and a good young core. So I think this season's been more successful for the New York football giants. Now, Luke, if you were a dad and your kid was playing in the NFL, and we'll go back to the Saquon Barkley situation because it boggles my mind. Yeah. And the Bills are playing whoever. I don't know. The, the Montreal Alouettes because they're kind of <laughs> close, right? No, who, what's the Toronto CFL team? Uh, the Argonauts, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So the 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 Bills are playing the Argonauts, mm-hmm. or like the the 33rd NFL team, and whoever's in Canada, you know, close by. Yeah. So not really a rival because you're in other separate divisions, but they're kind of close. Yeah. And your son is playing for the Toronto football team. Yeah. Who are you rooting for? In this situation, I would root for my son because both teams are bad. It doesn't really matter. What about in the Super? If Bowl? If it's a Super Bowl, sorry, son, go Bills. Are you, you're you're you're. Lying. And my son, if he was my true son, would all would throw the game for the Bills. Wow. Yes. So you're not only saying you wouldn't want your son to win a Super Bowl, but you'd expect him to throw the game? Yes. For his own father's happiness. No. Yes. I, ca- I can't agree with you on that. I really can't. Well, you're not like, you don't care as much about the Jets as I care about okay, the Okay, so if this is the Islanders playing yeah. in, the, in the Stanley Cup, I would not want them to win. If my really? son was playing for any team, I would be my team. I guess my love for my son will probably be more than my love for the Bills. I would hope so. I would hope so. So I guess I would have to say I that. Really hope I don't have a son right so, now, I, really I don't have a son. son. I don't know how much I love him. What if he's this. a screw-up? You're, you're a screw-up, and your parents still love That's you. That's true. Allegedly. That is, that is 100% true. And No, but uh, <laughs> I would... Uh, yeah, you're right. I'd probably have to root for my son. You ha- no, you, but, you, but right you now change my life, your fandoms. Right now in my life, I would say the Bills. But yeah, I'd probably have to change my fandoms. Of course. Of course. Yeah, and you know Dave Rothenberg from ESPN New York? Yeah. He would... He's a... Psychotic Giants fan. And yeah. He wouldn't. He probably wouldn't even let his son be a be a, play on the Cowboys. Right. Yeah. He make him hold out. I'm pretty sure. And it just honestly, oh, I, I, it's so funny. See, that's I, I he's probably, wrong though. Like he, he's he's a lunatic. I mean, it's messed up. Yeah. He's a self proclaimed lunatic, and he you you can't compare yourself to that. You, you're you're better than this. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I'm better than anything at this point. Back here on 88.9 WNYO, the weekend recap: Matt Walling and Luke Owens. Talk about that horrendous game that will be the Jets and the Giants, the toilet bowl. We got through it. We survived we it. We survived it. Well, it hasn't even started yet. Well, we survived I, I, talking about it. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Aside from my minor meltdown when I True. couldn't speak. But nonetheless, 
The Knicks, a team that might be even worse than those two teams, and something that's pretty impressive is that the the Islanders have more wins than the Knicks, Jets, and Bills, or not the Bills. I was gonna say, whoa, whoa, well, no, whoa. they have more wins than the Bills too. They have six wins. Okay, well, the Bills. If you play, combine, the Bills them, play once a week. Well, if you combine the Knicks, the Bills, is about the same as the Islanders. The Giants and the Jets. I think the Islanders have more wins than them. Just, just saying. But why do you have to throw the Bills in there? That shouldn't count, though. It just proves a point. It doesn't prove any point. Pro- what point, point does it prove? The NFL teams play one game a week. The NHL teams play three, four games a week. Not, not the Islanders. They had like two games last week. Okay. It was like it was like a Tuesday and a th- it was like a Sunday and a th- or Thursday. Throwing the Bills in is a dumb. Campaign. How many wins do the Jets or do the Islanders have? I think they had they had more than eleven. Okay, so it's, um, so like twelve. I mean, they're they're eleven zero and one in their last ten ga- uh, twelve games. Um, I'll I'll look it up here I mean, for the you. They look pretty the good. The Bills are six and two. So I will not take any. The Islanders are twelve, three and one. So okay, so yeah, they're pretty much they're similar actually in terms of winning percentage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, would you really expect the the Jets and Giants have three wins each? That's the only way it would be. This, it would be similar. I was just making a point. The Bills have more wins combined than the Jets and Giants since 2017. There's a number for that's them. crazy. That you would not expect to, to hear. But we'll move back on into the the Knicks and on Friday night they beat the Mavericks 106 to 102 and beating Kristaps Porzingis, their former. Star player who played like 16 games a season, <laughs> kept getting hurt. The guy who loved New York maybe a little too much, and he actually uh, had to speak on the Knicks in his time playing in New York. And he was actually pretty. He was complimentary of the city, not the team. So let's take a listen. It's, it's a part of the business, you know. Uh, thing is, like, I have I have nothing but love for the city of New York and and, and the fans. You know, they show me so much support. Uh, the time I was there, uh, they're so passionate about the team. You know, so that's. It's normal that they feel that way. So all I can do is just look forward, you know, uh, to what I have in front of me, not not behind, and and that's it. So it is what it is. Is there anything you want to clarify about what happened on the way out? <sighs> I don't know. I'm probably getting more trouble if I start talking about that stuff. You know, it it is what it is. You know, it's it's it wasn't ideal, um, but now I'm in a new place, and I'm I'm I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to the future. You know, I don't want to go back too much and and bring that stuff up. It is what it is, and it happened, and it's part of the business. And yeah, it, it just it just ended up that way. I hate Kristaps Porzingis so much. Why? He's just this was all because of you. Like talk about the city all you want. You're the reason you're not on the Knicks anymore. You're you forced yeah, way out of there. You don't want to be there anymore because but like, the Knicks t- are so incompetent they didn't want to play for them anymore. So the Mavericks are that much better. Yeah. The Mavericks have been a very, a very, uh, what was the, what was this, 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 this era of Mavericks, not 10 years ago when they were winning champ, when they won that championship, 2011 championship, close, close they've had Dirk, a, a, a generational superstar okay. on the franchise. They drafted Luka Doncic. They know but what they're doing I, but in then, Dallas. They've made count. They make the playoffs basically every single year, which the Knicks can't say. Yes. They're a much better run right. franchise than the Knicks. All right. But then, then help the Knicks out. I don't, I don't understand this, this narrative, like. And obviously, I'm a little bit biased being from New York. I, I love the idea. I, ro- I fantasize, romanticize the idea of winning in New York. But at the same time, like, he forced his way out of there. So why don't you explain yourself? Tell us why you didn't want to play there. You, he still hasn't really said it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But we can still, I mean, by him not saying it, we can speculate about it. I don't think there's much speculation to do, though. I just think he didn't want to be there because the Knicks weren't content on building but they're around working him. on They were. They weren't Are at you that serious? point. They weren't working on building around they him. Weren't, they were. I don't know if they're going to give him a max contract. They were going to. I don't know if they're they going to give him a max contract. I don't know. They would. Why wouldn't they? Because He's of the, the best injuries, player on the team. Because of the situation that was going ongoing with with Kristaps at the time that he was traded. 
What situation? That he wanted to leave? That no, he was being the, a little baby? I'm, I'm talking about the, the sexual assault allegations oh, yeah. that were surrounding him. I mean, it could have been some of that. So I don't know. I don't know if they would have re-signed him. I don't know if they would have offered him a max contract. As a New Yorker, I'm glad he's out of the city. He's just... He's not a player that you can build a championship around. I really don't. I don't believe so. I think that you are defending. I don't know why you're defending the city in this case. Well, not really the, the city. Well, you're saying like as New York, as New York, I'm glad he's gone. You well, know, if, he can't help the city. If I'm a Knicks fan, he can't win a championship. I'm trying to gear it towards as a Knicks fan. I don't if know. I was to be a Knicks fan, not really. If I was, yeah, like but Knicks a, fans threw him out the uh, threw him to the gutter the second he left, and they were so quick to boo him when he was drafted. Then they that were was so, one kid. Give me a Then break. they were so quick to jump on him when he was with the Knicks and and claim him the king. And then as soon as he wants out of a franchise that refused to build around him, Knicks fans throw a hissy fit. I don't know about refuse to hissy build fit. around him. I don't know if I like that. They were tanking. As soon as Porzingis got hurt, they didn't win. I don't think they won a game. I think because they, they're they trying like to build around two and twenty-eight. Are you kidding me? Tanking is how you rebuild. Yeah, you get better players. You get better that way. So they were throwing one max at Zingas, and then what? Then what else were they going to do? And then they try their best to build what around else they him. Do? Sign Marcus Morris and Bobby Portis and eight other power forwards to play behind Porzingis. Like I don't know what they were going to do. Well, you wouldn't make those signings if you had Porzingis. But also, if they had Porzingis, they wouldn't have drafted. If Porzingis was healthy, they wouldn't have gotten able to get R.J. Barrett because they would have won more games. So I don't know if Knicks fans can really be all that all that mad about Kristaps Porzingis leaving. I don't. I think it's. I think it's thirty percent on Porzingis, seventy percent on the Knicks. You're not, he was the one that demanded out, and I don't want to get into this because it's it was last year's news. But him and Luka Doncic. That's great what Porzingis today. said, and you ripped him for it. Porzingis says that's last year. I'm looking toward the future, and then you're like, I don't want to get into it because it's last year. What, I didn't. I ripped him you because just, I think he's a fraud. Yeah, but he just. But you just said I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's last year. Well, yeah. Before, but, Chris but, Porzingis said it was last year. He well, said already, it was last year. I don't want to talk about it. But though. you're saying you're demanding already, that he talks about it. it. We but, touched on it. Then why are you demanding that he talks about it? We just it? touched on it, though. But you're demanding that he talks about it. But he, what's? Oh, I don't understand the big deal. Why can't he just look forward to the future? I don't understand. Well, what happened happened. Because I want to know what happened. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear what happened. You don't want to be there anymore. Why would you want to be there? The reaction on Thursday when he returns to the garden is going to be electric. I wish I could be at that game. Yeah. I wish. Oh, my God. The booze. Oh. Yeah, I'm glad. That's that's. I'm glad Knicks fans have something to get up for this season. You're so mean to the Knicks fans. <laughs> you really are. They're ridiculous. You're something else. This but franchise. KP is and Doncic last game. Twenty eight points for KP on the Knicks. Thirty eight for Luka Doncic, combining for 66. Good job. Yeah, sixty six. There you go. Yep. So that's impressive. And they they've been averaging forty seven point eight points per game on the season. Nearly. I would, what is that, like a th- over a third between like probably 45% of what the Mavs are averaging of 116. So they've looked really good together. It's really a talented duo. Yeah, the Euro- the European duo. I, I kind of hate the narrative, I'm not going to lie. Of them both being European. Yeah, like, all right, like, okay. But yeah, I mean, they've played really well together. But I mean, the other night, was it was crazy. I mean, it was the, it was the Frank Nielakina coming out party in Dallas. And a guy that we really touched on last week saying, you know, he's a good defender, but he, sh- and you said he should start at point guard. I said, I don't know. And, and props to you. Cause he, had, he, he finally seems to be finding himself and finding a shot. Yeah. What really seemed to be his, his best game as a Nick. And the thing that's impressive, you know, five of 12 isn't great, but four or five from three point land for him, 14 points, only one turnover, which to me is really impressive in 38 right. minutes. Uh, you know, listening to the post game show with Alan Hahn calling him so decisive quick, you know, still being able to call plays, uh, from the offensive standpoint, and he's not a shooter, but he runs the floor and, and really just—he's a floor general. He's—he looks like a—he could be like a Chris Paul type. Not obviously not to that level, or not that we've seen yet. A lot bigger too, though. Crash but like you're better, better defensively, I would argue as well. Yeah, to some extent, and you kind of look at when he was drafted, 
and you sit here and you say, look, he was a guy that was going to be a project, a two, three-year project. And I think Knicks fans kind of forgot that. Yeah. Kind of you threw s- him out the window. Well, I mean, like, he deserved it. He looked terrible his first two years. And the thing that still gets me and the thing that Alan Hanoi says that he needs to he needs to be able to come off the bench whenever he's sitting or come out of the gate playing aggressive and playing well. And I don't understand. If you're, an, if you're a professional player, shouldn't you be – Coming out of the gate strong every single time. Yeah, I mean, like, shouldn't you be able things, to get up yeah. for every game? It's one of those weird things, though, because I mean, even thinking back to like when I used to play basketball, it's like I don't know. When the game starts, it's just such a weird kind of feel to it. If it makes sense, I mean, even with hockey, like kind of feeling things out for the first couple of minutes. I don't know. But it, like, it's it just like a weird it's, dynamic. It seemed like it's an effort thing. It's not even like him like, yeah. playing well. It's just an effort thing from him. I don't. If you're a tenacious defender, aren't you kind of built on? Playing effort. hard and yeah. effort. Yeah, I, agree I, I just with don't that. understand. Yeah, now again, I'm not ready to really crown Neil Akina anything at this point. He's had a couple good games, and consistency is going to be the real question with Frank. So we'll see going forward. I'm not completely sold on him as the point guard of the future, but it's definitely, I think, a promising start uh, for the Knicks this year, just with player development. And this was kind of a, a, a position that you need to win a championship. It needs to be really solidified. And having a guy like him, if he can prove to us this season that he is a starting point guard, you can look to your draft picks and turn and say, what do we really need? Right. You know, you have a big man in Mitch Robinson that you play like 20, not even 20 minutes a night, which to me is ridiculous. Yeah. You have Kevin Knox, who again, doesn't get much playing time either. RJ Barrett. And if Neil Kina can be a top 15 point guard in the NBA, where do you go? Where else do you build off of? What do you get? What do you look for? I think you need a couple wing shooters. I think that would be the next, the next thing the Knicks need because teams that struggle in the NBA are teams that can't shoot. And the Knicks, you know, they're okay. I mean, they added Wayne Ellington, who's an okay three-point shooter. RJ can can rip it once in a while when he, when he's going to shoot. But they added just so many big men. That's not really going to be the formula this year. But I think that's what you go for. Maybe a a small four. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be like facetious here, but like a Kevin Durant type would be like pretty ideal for the Knicks. Like what? just a guy that can that can get it from anywhere. More of a pure scorer. I mean, RJ is a great scorer, but kind of one of those bigger type scorers. Right, and I think that you kind of use that Kevin Knox piece, which I think people are yeah. comparing to. Knox would be the guy to if Kevin Durant. Out, right. And I'm still not sure why you're not giving him a lot of minutes. He's a guy that you kind of want to see play a lot, see how he can figure things out. And I, that's my one question. But I think it seems like Fizdale is getting a better control on the team, a better, you know, it was a feeling out process, it seemed like early on. Wasn't quite sure how to work his rotations in, but now he's got nine games under his belt. He kind of knows who he needs to use. And that's probably the biggest and most important piece for this team so far. Yeah, Knox only playing, as you mentioned, 22 minutes a game, averaging 10 points. Yeah, that's not yeah, not a ton of minutes for him. And along with Mitchell Robinson, I mean, a guy that is just such a menace on defense, only getting 17 minutes a game. I don't love that either. It's just such a weird balance between, I guess, I mean, you got to play the guys you paid. I mean, you paid Marcus Morris a good amount to be here. I hate that narrative, the pay guys No, I hate play. it too, but I'm just saying, why would you sign these guys to play ahead of your young pieces when this year should be all about just playing your young pieces. And that was kind of the the, the issue you had with the offseason the Knicks right. had, which was signing like seven seven new guys, all of which kind of fill a role for that these younger players have filled. Yeah, and I think what the Knicks – they needed to sign some veteran guys. I mean, obviously. I think Marcus Morris was a fine signing. I think Julius Randle could be a great signing still. Hasn't looked great so far, but that could be a good signing. Um, but then, like it, like Bobby Portis to me was unnecessary. Taj Gibson to me, I guess he doesn't really play; he's more of a locker room guy. But there's just so many that felt unnecessary. Alfred Payton, who I think could have been the starting point guard, hasn't really got uh, a ton of minutes. So I don't know. I don't know what the Knicks were doing when they when they went out and signed all those guys. Yeah, especially all the power forwards. They're, again, they're kind of filling the role that Mitchell Robinson should play. And last game alone, I don't even know if he played. 
It doesn't even look like he was in the line. Nope. I don't see him. He didn't even play on uh, against the Mavericks, so I don't know if he's injured. He might still be hurt. I know he's been battling. Uh, he battled injuries early on. Yeah, he's listed as day-to-day. So, oh, I actually got a concussion, so he will not play. Yeah, he's not going to play against Cleveland either. Was that in, in against Detroit? Because he only played like eight minutes there. Yeah, that was 20 minutes. 20 hours ago, they reported he had a concussion. So. Okay, so that kind of resolved that sort of situation, but this, the point still stands. This is a team that needs to play they're younger guys, and it's kind of disappointing that they haven't done that so far. Yeah, I agree. And the other, on the flip side, I mean, you kind of wrote this down, but R.J. Barrett's really struggling from the free throw line, and I think this could be a big issue. He struggled in college, and it, he's a guy that's a slasher. So if he goes to the rack, why not just, you know, give him a, give him a little tap and a little make him go to the line? That's what I'm saying. Why not? Why not make him uh, go to the line and make him shoot free throws? Uh, he was one of nine from the line against the Mavericks one of nine from the floor which is not that concerning he's going to be street he's going to have some bad games he's a rookie but from the free throw line he's been consistently bad since college and I think that's a big issue yeah and our uh, our station manager Carl Neff joining the conversation in the Facebook live <laughs> chat saying Brooklyn looks fire Knicks look poop emoji <laughs> and it's it, it's mm, kind of a I wouldn't say the Nets look fire though I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far I think they were four and four uh, this season, yeah, they're four and four. They had a big win against against the Trailblazers. Damian dropped sixty, and they they still were able to come away with a win. Um, but yeah, Kyrie and Dinwiddie are kind of trying to find themselves. So I, I think they'll be they'll be good going forward. Two game win streak for Brooklyn, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they look fire. I'd say you know calm down a little bit, calm down a little uh, bit. Yeah, I mean it's early. They're they're four and four, back at five hundred, which is important. You get that first stone for really eight games into the season and a big game. Today against Phoenix, right in Arizona, you know, on that little bit of a Western road trip, and I think that's where the the Nets can really start to to build something because you sit there and you say, look, this is a team that hasn't quite gelled. You have a lot of new pieces, but between Prince and Kyrie and Kevin Durant in the locker room, you need to find this good road trip to kind of get the team together, really get that bonding going, and have Kenny Atkinson really be able to bring these guys into the culture that is the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, and also a little bit less pressure than being at home and in front of this Brooklyn crowd that's, you know, not I wouldn't say starving for wins because it's Brooklyn. I mean, they're, they're kind of new. There's like seven people there. No one really cares. But, like, no, I mean, they're getting more people now. But, um, you know, find yourself, get that chemistry going. I think, yeah, like you said, this road trip could be big uh, for this Brooklyn team. You know, I haven't been able to see too much of them. I'm really kind of excited to see how they look. I mean, Kyrie just looks so good, and it feels different. There's no, yeah. there's no issue surrounding Kyrie. There's no kind of aura of negativity it feels very positive which is important yeah it is and we'll see how far this team can go i mean obviously russell took them uh i mean they really competed with the 76ers in the first round of the playoffs and you think Kyrie a better player than him uh so it could be good for the nets going forward hey, baby, come on. little in sync coming back at you such a good band oh I love them. You do love them. I'm a big NSYNC guy. I mean, yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm an NSYNC guy. I wouldn't say I'm a big NSYNC guy, but I think they're incredible. I think you fit the that characteristic. What is that supposed to mean? I'm saying you love them. That's all but I'm saying. I said I'm not a big NSYNC guy, but you what are. I mean? Like, you fit the characteristic of liking them. Why? I'm just saying you like them. Oh, okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Sure. All right. I really like how the Buffalo Bills are playing this year. They're 6-2. and two. It's Tied second best record in the AFC. They beat... The the very mighty Washington Redskins last week, twenty four to nine. Yeah, did they cover? A Zoftic win. They covered late. Oof. It was a, a little sweat for the people at home. Yeah, they did cover. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen was fourteen of 20, 160 yards, a touchdown. The Bills seem to kind of be turning him into a game manager. They're kind of pounding the run. Don't let him make the big throws. 
it's been interesting to watch, and I don't know if that's exactly how I want Josh Allen to be used, but it's worked so far this year. I mean, you kind of have to. You're a team that has a great defense. You don't want to necessarily force Josh Allen to make mistakes. He's a guy that could kind of throw a couple, a couple too many interceptions, if you will. Yeah. A guy that is a good runner, but at the same time he can let it loose and sling it, but maybe he doesn't necessarily have the weapons to do so. What kind of worries me with him being a game manager is – Josh Allen is a, a very rhythm passer. He needs a few passers to, passes to kind of get into rhythm, get warmed up. So it kind of concerns me going down the stretch if the Bills need Allen to make some big throws, if he's really going to be ready for that. Because they haven't – I mean, it's great they haven't been in situations where they've had to play from behind all that much. But in the same vein, you want him to be ready when those moments arise. Yeah, and I, I think that that's important. But at the same time, if you're working as a ground-and-pound team, why change it? If you're a team that's going to dominate defensively and kind of like that Denver Broncos team a couple years ago with Peyton Manning, you know, they're a really strong defense. They end up winning the Super Bowl from their defense, from their rushing game as well. Why? Why? Like You could still win a Super Bowl that way, so why not? Yeah, but what if the run game's not working? What if teams just start stacking the box and you need to make big throws? But then at that point, I think Josh Allen is ready for it. I don't know. I I think he's shown enough in his first two seasons of the NFL where maybe he can't hit every single throw or make every single pass, but I do think that... He's a guy that trains hard enough. You don't need necessarily that much game action to be able to make a throw. He's a guy that can throw so well that, yeah, you want to see him get the reps, but he gets those in practice too. I just like to see him throw the ball more. That's it. I I like to see them run more plays, let him show off his big arm, which they haven't really allowed him to. I think that's a little bit on play calling as well. They've they've been a lot more conservative, which is fine because uh, rookie running back Devin Singletary looks like he is the real deal. 20 carries, 95 yards, a touchdown. Also had three catches for 45 yards. He's not the fastest running back kind of knows where to find the holes and hit them. And Frank Gore is kind of taking a step back now. He's kind of mentored Singletary. And and like we've mentioned before, this Bill's running game looks looks really solid this year. Yeah, I think that's so important, especially for a younger quarterback. It's something that the Jets tried to do with Bell, but the offensive line has really been a problem. And I think it's been more of an issue than, you know, you kind of expect for the Jets really a, a big issue in, or a big part of stagnating that offense. And But just looking back at this Bill's team, it's crazy, and I know they've beaten six out of the eight teams on their schedule, but they still haven't really played anybody. And I know the Jets haven't. I know the Patriots necessarily haven't either. But that's still kind of a bit of a concern because I still don't know if this team's good or not. I don't think I don't think we're really going to know if this team's good till the playoffs. I honestly don't. I mean, if the Bills go four and four down the stretch, that's ten and six. That's a wild card spot. And there's there's four very winnable games against uh, Miami, Denver, the Jets, and then even Pittsburgh. Just, yeah, even Pittsburgh. If they can grab four of those games, that's four and four which gets them into the playoffs. So I don't know if we're really going to know how good this Bills team is really till the playoffs. I mean, they're playing three good teams in Dallas, Baltimore, and New England. Right. That's it. That's all Pittsburgh's, they have. Pitt, I'd say Pittsburgh's good. Mm-hmm. Game out of the wild card. They're not bad. Mm-hmm. Playing better lately. Mm-hmm. Four and four. They're, they're really a four and four team. They're just like, eh. Yeah, but I mean, they've been playing better lately. Um, but I don't know. I hate... The thing is, though, like, like, who are you going to – like, it's not the Bills' fault. No, it's they're not playing their fault, schedule. but I'm not, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that this looks like a team that could go the way of the Jets a couple years ago with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Where yeah. they What, they went 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six that year? They went 9-7. and seven. They, If they, they went 10-6, they would have the They nearly make the playoffs, and I think, I think the Bills will make the playoffs, but you nearly make the playoffs, and you, you, build, you build a team predicated off of last year, but you played a much weaker schedule – and now with the Bills playing so well, they're going to be facing the top-ranked talent next year's schedule when – I don't really know how the scheduling works, but I know in certain divisions you play like whatever team was stacked up with you. So if you're the second-best team in the, league yep. in the conference or division, you're playing the second-best team in the other division. So that might kind of catch them up, catch up to them next year. But again, another year for Josh Allen to keep going and another year for the team to get better.
Yeah, and it's really been the defense that's carried this team so far, but they've really struggled against the run. I mean, against the Eagles, it was 218 yards. Against Washington, Adrian Peterson went for 127 yards. So that seems to be the formula to beat the Bills' defense is run the ball, avoid throwing to the secondary. We know how good that secondary is. But I wonder, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like it's that hard of a fix. They have such speed in their linebacking core with Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, and they're such good tacklers in open space. It almost seems like the Bills should be able to stop the run, and they just haven't been able to so far this year. And, you know, we can sit here and say stack the box, stack the box. It just doesn't seem to work all the time. Right, and for the Browns, looking at, looking at their team, they've got two really solid running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt making his debut after his, right, this week? Yeah, he comes this week back be his first game. After, was it nine-week suspension? Right. It's a weird number, nine weeks. Yeah, kind of weird. But nonetheless, I mean, these are two guys that can really make noise out of the backfield. They can not only rush the ball, but also play a decent role in the passing game. And for the Bills, that's a really good test. You know, you saw what happened against Adrian Peterson and uh, just a really bad Redskins team. You got a week to fix. You got a week to look at the film for the Browns, a team that doesn't have a great offensive line. And you just hope that you can limit these guys to under 100, 150 yards. Yeah, and kind of talking about the Browns. I mean, they're 2-6 and six now. They lost to Denver last week. And this was a team that was supposed to be playoff caliber. And we had people saying that the Browns were a Super Bowl-level team. And they just haven't looked good this year. And Baker Mayfield, 58.7 completion percentage, 7 touchdowns, 12 picks. He's been sacked 23 times. And this offense outside of Nick Chubb has been just a complete mess. Yeah, and I kind of think a big issue with the with the Browns is their, is their play calling and their coaching. The coaching team just doesn't really – the coaching staff just doesn't look good. You know, Freddie Kitchens is not a good coach, and it's impressive that they give him the, the coaching the coaching job because of Baker Mayfield over a guy who's now the defensive coordinator for the Jets, whose name eludes me. Who is it? Oh, uh, Greg Williams. Greg Williams. He was the one that took over as the interim, looked really solid as a coach, definitely comfortable, had been a coach before, obviously had Bounty Gate a couple of years ago with the Saints. But at the end of the day, it's really I think it's really on coaching on the coaching staff. Yeah, I agree. And looking at, I mean, the biggest – this kind of relates back to the Giants as well. The biggest deal, obviously, of the offseason was Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Browns, and he's been pretty mediocre. 575 yards, one touchdown. Him and Jarvis Landry both averaging exactly 8.3 targets per game. That's just, you can't only be targeting Odell Beckham Jr. eight times a game because he's a guy that can catch it in traffic. He can do big things when he gets the ball, and they just haven't utilized him to his full potential like we thought they were going to. Yeah, but at the same time, how often can you throw it to Odell? 10, 12. 10, 12. I mean, I mean the, the, the point is rhetorical in the sense that you've also got other weapons. You know, you've got a guy in tight end who I guess is hurt right now. Yeah, and Joko. He's been out since like week one. Oh, they, have, they just don't have weapons. I mean, they don't have weapons. They have Jarvis Landry too. Nick Chubb. I mean, catch. I didn't mean to say they don't have weapons. They don't Baker have Mayfield has yeah. been bad. And that's really what it boils down I think, to. I, yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that's kind of the issue when you're throwing the ball about what? I can't do math today. Never mind at that point. But when, when you're completing the pass 58% of the time, how many times can you get it to Odell, you know? But yeah. you're right in the sense that he's a guy that really needs more targets. He's a guy that likes the volume. He's a guy that can, you can run a five-yard slant and it'll, it'll extend the play for a 50-yard touchdown. We saw it all the time in New York. So why not get him the ball more and kind of put him and put Baker Mayfield in a chance to succeed with short five-yard passes, dig routes, out routes, whatever you want and let him make a play on the ball as the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, there's been a lot of questions starting to pile up around Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and if he even wants to be in Cleveland. And oh, he doesn't. We saw that shot of him on the sideline last week where he just, he just looked like he just wanted to like just destroy Baker Mayfield. He looked like he was, he was, I mean, extremely mad. We saw him talking to Tom Brady after two weeks ago, and everyone's like, oh, he's going to the Patriots. 
And then he, this week they did an interview with him and he said, yeah, uh, you know, this year, whatever, but 2020 is going to be my best year yet. It's like, why are you already saying that's going to be my best year? Like, he's already given up on this year. I don't know. It just seems like he doesn't want to be there anymore. But also, when does it ha- When does the interview happen that happened last year with, with um, Frot the Rapper? But, you know, he's talking bad about oh, the man. Oh, uh, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. When does that happen with this Browns team? Does it happen? Yeah, I know. Does he just fit in with Baker? Does he just like Baker as a person? You know, he's a guy that kind of... Is more in his generation. They're both sort of, I want to say, flashy guys, but yeah, they're both kind of outspoken. Yeah. They're both guys that kind of love the attention. At what point does Odell turn on Baker? Yeah, I know they're very similar in in personality. I would say, um, obviously, Odell Odell's been fine like four times so far this year for for a pair. He had the watch in week one. Then he had the the pants were too short. And then last week he got suspended for wearing Joker cleats. Like he no, just, he had to just change them. He would have gotten change them. He would have got. I'm about to say fine, not suspended. Yeah, he, I don't think he got fine though. I think he just wouldn't be able to play the rest of the game. Yeah, change. which is stupid. But again, um, both these guys are guys that like. Yeah, like you said, they they. I would say they love the attention. They like being in the spotlight, which isn't a bad thing. But yeah, I don't know if if the personalities really match up. And then you throw a guy like Jarvis Landry in the mix there as well. It just nothing's really working for this Cleveland team. Yeah, and I kind of wonder: Do you end up trading Odell at some point? I know, but it's like, what's what's his value? Because you think about what you sent to the first Giants. Pick. I know, but you think about what you sent to the Giants, and if you get anything less than that, well, Jabril Peppers wasn't really a, a great piece for them. You know, no. he didn't really fit into their scheme. He seemed a little bit. They small. got picks too, though, right? I think they got a first, and that yeah. might be it. Yeah, they got like the 18th overall pick or something. Yeah. So, oh yeah, you're right because the Giants had two picks, right? Yeah, I would love. Odell with the Jets. I know, like it's not going to happen, but if you can trade back quite a bit and maybe use like a a fifteenth round, fifteenth uh, overall pick on a guy like Odell, that'd just be so fun in New York, right? Bring and, him back, you know, just the excitement. And kind of just wrapping a ball on this. So this game, the Browns are op- they open at three point favorites. Now the two and a half point favorites. Is this disrespectful the to the Bills? Yeah. Is this disrespectful to the Bills? Oh, hammer the Bills. Yeah. Hammer the Bills. <laughs> I haven't even looked at the lines yet, but I know that's that's probably gonna be one of my picks. I just think that Kareem Hunt getting back, maybe that has something to do with it. They I think just he think can make that, some noise. I think that people have it. People still think the Browns still are still like yeah. the Browns. You know, they're and still a hot team. No one's sold on the Bills so far, which is fine. Like you said, they haven't played anyone. But in that same degree, like the Browns have just been so bad. So bad this year. And they've been historically bad. So I don't know why people were so quick to be like, this is the team. This is the year. Like they've never been able to put it together. Yeah, it's very interesting and kind of strange, but at the same time, they're a team that's just sort of fun. Yeah. You know, they're a team that has the, the they're they're a sexy team. Yeah, we want them you know, to be good. Odell, yeah. Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. Ooh. Yeah. Look at that. Ooh. So so just brilliant. Yeah, but and then, then they Miles have Garrett no, on yeah. defense. They just have so many fun pieces that just they just haven't clicked well together. Yeah, and it, it, I think it does start with the lines, and you sort of look at a, a a team and you listen to Joe Douglas, and he says, "Look, it starts in the trenches," and the Browns kind of forgot about that. Yeah, and that's been their biggest issue. Yeah, their O line is awful. Um, their defense has been okay, but the rush defense is awful. Only the Bengals and Dolphins have been worse against the run, so I expect the Bills to just just pound away. Uh, from early and often into this Browns defense. Yeah, it'll be kind of exciting to watch and and see how the Bills do because this is sort of their biggest test they've had all year since the Patriots and the, I guess the Eagles too. But this yeah. is a test that you know it's really it's a strong offense to some extent for the for the Browns. You still have yeah. Baker Mayfield. If stuff clicks right, receivers. this offense is scary. Just and the defense is style as well, so it'll be fun to watch for the Bills. And this is probably not a me- not a measuring stick game, but a game where if the Bills look really good, then you can kind of crown them legit. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I just don't think people will crown them as legit uh, if they beat the Browns. Well, I'm not saying Super Bowl contender. I'm yeah, saying yeah. like, hey, like they're they're actually pretty good. Yeah, I I think that comes in a couple weeks when they start playing the Cowboys, the Ravens, the the Patriots again. Um, even you know who knows what Denver is going to be. So like games like that, I think are going to be 
big down the stretch. This is a game I think the Bills have to win if they see themselves as legit threats. And, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, the Pats now have one loss. The Bills have two. I don't think they can gun for an AFC East title, but the Pats have a tough schedule coming hey, up. Hey, if, if they beat the Patriots in that second game, yeah, they're they, right in it. Yeah, they, they have to win a couple of games. But the Pats still have to play the Eagles, the Cowboys, um, the Chiefs. So the Patriots have some tough games coming up. As you said or mentioned earlier, how the scheduling works out, the Pats always finish first. They always have to play first-place teams, so that's why they have to play uh, the Chiefs. And Houston's a good Houston. team, too. Yeah. You so, know, I mean, you've got... You've got a tough stretch here between Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City. And Philadelphia is a team that really needs to start getting on a, on a winning streak it's to some extent at 5-4. and four. They're a team that is pushing for the playoffs. They're certainly right in the mix despite starting the season or this midpoint of the season. They've kind of struggled. Yeah, they have struggled. And, yeah, like you said, I think that's what the Bills need to do to, to, make, to make them seem like a legitimate threat. They're going to have to win a couple of these big games. I think Dallas on Thanksgiving is one of those games. 